You're listening to the Two Vets and a Cup podcast. At ease, civilian. That means to keep your ass in the seat. Thank you. You're about to hear from the men and women, and some genders not yet scientifically proven to exist, who have served this country as veterans of the armed services and their communities as first responders. Two vets and a cup. What? Well, wait a minute. Isn't there a thing with two girls and a um? Uh, anyway. You'll hear U.S. Army and law enforcement veteran Alan Wooford and his guests as they bring education and personal experiences to your ears and hopefully some insight and reverence to your souls. From the halls of Montezuma to strip clubs and pawn shops surrounding military bases in the United States to the streets of Chicago and Hell Night in Detroit. These men and women walked where the devil feared to tread. Let's get it on. This is the Two Vets and a Cup podcast. Now your host, this is Alan Wooford. Hi, and thanks for joining us on today's show of Two Vets. This is Alan Wooford, your host. And today, I'm honored to be joined by Michael Lee. Michael Lee is a first responder. He's also involved with a lot of safety activities, and he's coming to us. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, you're coming out of Sulphur, Louisiana today. Yes, sir. So, Mike, what in the hell took you to Sulphur, Louisiana? Um, Well, actually, all my family is from down here. My whole entire life, though, I've moved, lived in nine states. Nine states. Moved nine states moved every six months to every year growing up uh literally went to 12 different grade schools i i can i can vouch for that i was a military brat and had to go to numerous schools well so my dad's in the hotel industry so that's what did it to us he was their troubleshooter so we we traveled around while he fixed hotels for this corporation wow that's amazing but is he still doing that uh, today sir uh, he's retired. Okay. Okay. So, well, um, no, no, I was going to ask you, please go back. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, you're good. Um, so by high school ended up being in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And, uh, that, that's where most of my adult life was. So, but yeah, moved around a lot. That is great. What would you say your favorite place, you know, growing up and uh, moving around, you know, because of your father's background, what would you say was probably one of your favorite areas to have been in growing up? Well, I was born in Colorado Springs, so I would say there because you got the mountains, you got the snow, you got all the hiking outdoors, just a beautiful place. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Montana, so I, I can understand that completely. And like you and I were discussing earlier, you know, I was a military brat, so I never really got to enjoy a lot of the mountains and the Glacier National Park and doing stuff. But I did get to, you know, travel around the world and, and see things because of that being in the Air Force. So do you think that, that traveling uh, with your father and with the family, did that did that give you a better idea of cultures and, you know, different environments and how people respond differently, you know, from Colorado Springs to Nashville? Well, you know, 
growing up as a kid, I didn't think it did. I, I, I thought I was being punished. I hated life. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that brother, that has got to be the best response ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, a, as an adult, I realized I can pretty much go into any environment and be comfortable. Yes, sir. I can talk to people, you know, moving around so much, you're, you're, you're making friends, you're losing friends every six months, every year. And of course we didn't have, you know, social media back then. So you don't keep in touch with them. So literally you're always making new friends. So yeah, as an adult, Oh yeah. It's definitely, uh, formed my personality to, to deal with so many different types of environments. I, I, I like that insight, you know, because one of the, one of the things that one of our supporters asks is, you know, it, and this goes in line with a lot of different things, but with people that have traveled like we have, uh, more, more so for you, because with the military, you know, ours was like every two to three years and your dad would have to go out and troubleshoot and he'd have to go to those troubled areas. So, you know, one of the things that people asked is with the backgrounds like us, where we had to travel and go away from our, our place of origin, you know, mine being Montana and, and your birth area being in Colorado, um, did it, did it give us a better sense of home when we found a place and the things we appreciate along the way? And, and do you think that's true, Mike, by having traveled so much, you, you can appreciate things of various areas you've been to and like you said with Colorado you enjoyed the mountains and the snow oh oh definitely so growing up because we did move around all the time I never had a true sense of home yes sir and uh every summer we would come back to sulfur because all my family's here my grandparents my cousins all that so sulfur was always home to me no matter what and uh once we finally, those last few years of, you know, childhood, being in Nashville, and then me staying there, Nashville kind of also became that home, so. Well, you know, for, for you, and, and I'm just asking to give, you know, people an idea of reference, uh, if someone was to cut you in half by accident, Mike, and they counted your rings, how old are you today? Uh, I'm, I'm 43. No shit. Is that dog ears or Canadian? Uh, that's American. <laughs> God bless you, brother. I, I like how you dropped that. And for everybody listening, he is 100% American. So, Mike, if I was to come to Sulphur, Louisiana today, and I wanted to try Boudin or, you know, one of the local cuisines, where would be one place in Sulphur, Louisiana that people would have to definitely visit for the the food side, the cultural side? Well, so right off the 210 bridge, or sorry, the I-10 bridge, there's a place called Steamboat Bills. That sounds good. And people know it because it's right there off the interstate, and they've been there for 40-something years probably. I've I've grown up always knowing Yes, sir. Not saying they're the best, but that's the easy access that most people, when they come through, that's where they go. Uh, but pretty much anywhere around here, you're going to find good food. Okay. And, you know, with you having traveled around, 
do you have a preference on food? I know when I talk to some people, myself, uh, because most of my life growing up was overseas and on Guam, the Philippines, and, you know, out in the South Pacific. I do have a preference now. Uh, like, I, I eat a ton of rice. Uh, because growing up, you know, we, we had rice for breakfast and lunch and dinner and stuff. What is one thing that, you know, you've seen since you've traveled, you've been to Nashville, so you've obviously had, you know, Tennessee versions of Southern food and all. What is one thing you really find that you like? I mean, what well, what's a go-to for so, you? So- so, so Nashville is, most people don't realize this, but Nashville is a foodie paradise, yes, sir. right? Yes, sir. You, you can find, there's so many cultures in Nashville, and they actually have a huge Asian community there. And, uh, you know, growing up, I, I never, you know, I'll eat, you know, your basic takeout Chinese stuff, but I never had, like, tr- true Japanese food, yes, right? Yes, and uh, I got into that food side of it, and uh, man, raw food, sushi, sashimi, all this type of oh, stuff. Oh, God bless you. Love it. Yes, sir. Love it. That that's amazing. You don't you don't see too many people that can pick a culinary item out of like one area and say, you know, that that that's amazing. And and people have said that. I've only been to Nashville a few times. Uh, one of the guys that I work with, that's his region. But I've been out there, and that's one of the things everybody said, you know. If you go to Nashville, don't just look at the southern food because there's a diverse and, and you know, worldwide uh, feature out there. I mean, you can find basically anything. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So what did you do while you were in Nashville that, you know, so, you were in there for a while, Mike. Was that with your dad, or were you working as well? Well, I, I, my work history is actually really oddball. Um, so right after I graduated, I actually went into the military. Oh, uh, went into the army, eleven Bravo. Oh, infantry. Went to. Yeah. Oh yeah, went to Sand Hill up at Fort Benning. Graduated basic. Went through AIT. Oh, so you did OSA. Uh, you did everything right there. Oh, yeah. And uh, during AIT, I uh, <laughs> I threw out my shoulder in front of the wrong people. And uh, previous dislocation from high school times, I used to do BMX. Okay. And anyway, so... <clears throat> so you're just a badass all my- around. You can ride and shoot at the same time. <laughs> so while I was in AIT, shoulder dislocated in front of the wrong people. And uh, I ended up getting a medical discharge because back then they were like, eh, you know, this was 97, 98. Okay, that was just they, before they, they, I got injured at Fort Rucker. I, I know what you're talking about. Okay. And uh, no wars going on. And they're just like, yeah, we're just, we'll, we'll discharge you. Well, that's all I planned on doing growing up was play G.I. Joe. I wanted to go out, <laughs> I wanted to blow things up, and I wanted to shoot commies. You God know? bless you. And uh, so I, I get out, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, so I jumped around through a bunch of different uh, courses at, at a local tech school out in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, that's where my parents had moved to from Nashville. Okay. 
Okay. And uh, so I'm out in West Tennessee now making new friends, trying to figure out what to do with my life. And uh, went through welding school. Hated that. Really? Got into, yeah. It, I had fun, but I kept burning my sinuses out, flashing my eyes. I was like, nah, this ain't. Okay. I, I was wondering because so, a lot of people I've talked to on the old podcast, Dragging Up 6.0, they were saying the same things, you know. They they got tired of it. The, you know, the, yeah, definitely burning the retinas up and the smells and everything. So I ended up getting into IT. Of course, this is 99 going into 2000, computers, networking, technology. That's going to be the big thing, right? Go through school, get all my certifications. And right whenever I'm getting ready to start finding a job, the dot-com bubble happened. Uh. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So here I am, barely any experience in networking and, and technology. And the market's flooded with people that have been doing it for 10, 20 years. Well, who are they going to pick, you know? So couldn't find a job in that. And uh, while I was going to school, I was working at a car dealership uh, detailing cars. Oh, okay, so you uh, had something to fall back on. Well, the used car manager having a conversation with me one day, and he was like, so what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. He was like, why don't you sell cars? <laughs> nah. Then I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Why not? I hadn't done it. Might as well try it. So, sold cars for, let's see, 01, 02, 03 out in Jackson, Tennessee. Then I moved to back to Nashville in 04, selling cars there. One of the downtown dealers. What, what, wait a minute. I got to ask. Was and, it Ford, Chevy, used cars, new cars? What did you have? Uh, so... The original dealership was actually Pontiac GMC. Okay, well, that ends our Hyundai, interview, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm kidding, brother. Keep going. Keep going. Hyundai, Dodge, Chrysler, wow. Mitsubishi. So a wide range of, of, of cars. And uh, the dealership in Nashville was Buick GMC. No, sorry. Pontiac GMC and Toyota. Okay. Yeah, that's some diversity and, uh, right there. Yeah. But my, my specialty was in the GM block. Okay. And uh, while I was working there, I actually sold a car to a guy that was over General Motors product training division. That is something. And uh, so I got hired on by GM to be a product trainer. That brought me back to West Tennessee, to the Memphis area. And... Uh, I had 50 dealerships in a three-state area, West Tennessee, all of Arkansas, North Mississippi, and I traveled around teaching the salesmen of these dealerships how to sell GM products, about their how, how to show the customer to use all this technology, how to go against the competitors. So I had to know all the competitors' cars, all the GM vehicles, and uh, loved it. Great job. And then uh, then the recession hit. And GM started shutting down lines of their, you know, they got rid of Pontiac, got rid of Hummer, and 
Saturn and, and all that. Oh, yeah, Saturn. I, I I just saw Saturn for the first time in a while two weeks ago. I, I Not too many of them no, out there. No, no. And, and where you were doing all this, Michael, did somebody train you up or did you just find your own niche, um, you know, while you got into the sales side? Did someone bring you into I, this or you had to work your own way? Uh, well, so the, the sales manager at the first dealership kind of took me under his wing and taught me how to sell. Okay. Um, but as far as product knowledge, all that, just how my brain works, and it, it just stuck. So uh, I found that niche, and I found a job that went with it. That, that's um, amazing. And then that crashed. And uh, so I was like, okay, world's going to hell. Now I got to find me another job. And I wasn't getting back into car sales because that market was going down. And uh, so I got into finance, uh, actually for a uh, furniture company. Now that's and, a big uh, shift. I mean, going from 11 Bravo yeah. to car sales and then into finance. Yeah. And uh, I did finance for a while, but man, it just sucked the life out of me. I hated that job. <laughs> it, 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 it it got to the point where I was, you know, I was drinking almost a fifth a night just to just to go to sleep. Hell, I'm doing that now. Two packs a day. I'm, well, it's red wine. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, brother. I'm I'm trying to support our farmers. But uh, yeah, no, it, it just got bad, and I was like, this ain't working. And uh, now, what time frame was that, Michael? What what year uh, roughly? So that that was. 07, 08, 09. Wow, brother. You had, you had a good spread there. And then uh, in 2010, I was like, I, I've got to do something different. So I, I, I took off three months and did nothing. All I did was stay at home. I drank and I played a lot of Xbox. <laughs> and uh, one of my buddies... Here's the EMT. And he was like, man, why don't you get into EMS? I was like, man, I, I, I'm not in the mood to go back to school. He was like, no, no, no. Company I work for, we're looking for a dispatcher. I was like, huh, okay. Well, he had experience so talking there, to people I, in sales and the, and with finance. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a and, little bit uh, different, I understand. A little bit different. And uh, I was like, okay. So I went up there. I talked to them and interviewed. And they were like, all right, we'll get back to you. And didn't hear anything back from them. I hate them. that. I hate that. And it was about a month later, I get a call. Hey, you still interested? Sure, why not? Go up there, interview again to find out <clears throat> they had hired the fire chief's daughter to be to fill this dispatch position. And uh, she kept falling asleep on night. Oh, shit. Yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's so, not really good. No. So that's how I got the job. And uh, it was nights on the weekend. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 6P to 6A every other Sunday night. Wow. And 
kept that shift for six and a half years until I until I got out of it. That gum, brother. That that is something else. So you went from eleven Bravo to car sales to financing, and then into dispatching. And you know, mm-hmm. for those that are listening I, today, you know, we have the fortune of being with Michael Lee. Uh, Michael Lee is a veteran, and again with you know, his experience as 11 Bravo. And for those who are not familiar with that, that's an army uh, infantryman. And then later into EMS, when we come back, uh, we're going to get more into what Michael is currently doing and ask him if he feels, because we want you to think about this. If your background helped build you into what you are today, or is it building into something better? And we'll be back in just a moment. Two Vets is an innovative podcast that explores the life events of military personnel, veterans, first responders, and their family members. Dedicated to discussing topics in a multitude of diverse fields relating to veterans, including their backgrounds, experiences, and the trials and tribulations they've had to overcome. Join your host, Alan Woofer, as he challenges assumptions and expresses ideas while supporting and providing a voice for our military personnel. The philosophy of this podcast is to raise awareness alongside advocating for those most impacted. Please note there will be strong language that may be offensive to some. The views, opinions, and commentary expressed in this podcast are of the host and guests alone and do not represent their employers, sponsors, or any other entity, past Past or present. present. And we're back with Michael Lee. Michael Lee is a veteran coming with us today on today's show from Sulphur, Louisiana. And if you didn't hear on the previous portion to the podcast, Mike Lee was originally born in Colorado, Colorado Springs, Colorado. His father was involved with the hotel industry as a troubleshooter. So he's got a background in traveling around the United States, uh, spent some time in Nashville. And in Nashville, he looked at the culinary areas. He'd spend some additional time in West Tennessee, Central Tennessee. And Mike, you know, I, I know people are going to go back now. One of the things I love about talking with you is, is, is the diverse background, you know, and you didn't step back and go into something, you know, you, you kept moving forward. So, you know, with, with that background that you had, and then after the dispatching, what is it that you're doing now in Sulphur, Louisiana? What, what is the one thing you finally ended up doing? Well, so my, my my journey didn't just land me to where I'm at from EMS. So, so you had to build up some more. Well, so did EMS for six and a half years. While I was doing that, I met my wife from Sulphur. Okay, great. Uh, while I was living in Nashville, she moved up there. We end up getting married. She gets homesick, and I'm like, great. So we're going back to Sulphur. And I had never planned on living down here, even though it's one of my homes. And uh, so left EMS. It was probably the perfect time for that because after about six and a half years, you you do start to get uh, burned out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With uh, everything you see, hear, and do, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so we just packed up no plan, no plan at all. Packed up, move home. And uh, we get here. 
my wife gets a job with the the hospital system. Is she in nursing and, or is she like in healthcare? Uh, well, so she used to be actually a sheriff's deputy down here before she uh, moved up to be with me. And when she came back down, she didn't want to get back into law enforcement because of the environment that's going on in the nation right now. Yeah, I can and, understand. Does uh, she ever still use her handcuffs on you just for compliance? Giggity. Okay. Thank you, God. I'm um, glad to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, she got a job as a uh, lab runner so for the hospital system. So she goes between the hospital's... Uh, in the doctor's office, picking up labs, supplies, all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, so she's busy. Uh, she is absolutely busy. Oh, yeah. Okay. She she stays busy, works her own schedule, and by herself, so she's good. Yes, sir. But I get down here, and I'm like, okay. So I looked into getting into dispatch down here, but the only dispatch center we had for down here, they run swing shifts. So it would be, you'd work day shifts for a couple of days, have one day off and then work night shift. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's a no. pain. Your, the, your the, whole the, cycle the jobs, is off. Well, the whole entire cycle's off. The the stress from the job, I was like, uh, no. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I had no earthly idea. So I grabbed the first job that I could find, and that was doing security at one of the ref- refineries down here. No. I, I got a quick question on that, brother. I'm just curious yeah. because a lot of people that are in the profession that we're in, you know, involving safety and the previous EMS and everything, when you were looking for work and you didn't know what you were doing, what attracted you to the job that you would go for? Like when you went into dispatch, went from dispatching and all, was it just the availability, the schedule? Ooh, are you there? Yeah, brother, go ahead. Okay, sorry, I lost. Oh, um, it happens. I need no, an IT so, guy. Are you available? Well, the, so so the the dispatch got me because you know I was going down that path of uh, dark roads with drinking and everything else, partying, and by working nights and weekends, it got me out of that. Okay, but it, did it, the partying, it, the drinking, did that help you? And, and I ask that because you know I, I deal with PTSD. Did that help you with the stresses or did it add to it for you? Um, initially it helped. And then the dark side of it added to more stress. Yes, sir. Understood. So, you know, life starts getting out of control. Things start getting crazy. And I was one of the lucky ones that I realized it. And I was able to take control of it before it really grabbed a hold of And that's me. hard to do, So I, I've been there. It, it, been it is. There. And so I consider myself lucky on being able to turn my life around. And getting into EMS, is it, it, it's all because of that. Oh, I dare it. So, you know, it, it allowed me to, A, get out of that life, but also it gave purpose to my life by helping people at their worst time. Yes, sir. Understood. So, so, so whenever we got to, to sulfur, I grabbed a job at, uh, at a refinery doing security work and anybody that's in safety or, or works, you know, out in the industrial trades knows how crappy that job is. You know, 
It uh, it pays nothing. Nobody likes you, and it's just awful. Are, are you talking about safety or security? Because both of them go hand security. in hand. Nobody likes anybody involved so, in that. Well, no, security specific. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. I, I was the guy at the gate asking for your card. You know, nope, you don't got it. Turn around. You know, open your doors, pop your glove box. You know, all that type of right, stuff, right. and. It, it, it was crap money, but it was a job, and it led me to where I'm at now. So while I'm there doing this, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I made some friends with some of the, the safety guys uh, with the contractors coming in and out. And one of them, uh, Doug Stepson, uh, works for one of the major contractors down here, uh, head safety guy. Me and him formed a relationship, and he was like, Mike, you got this background in EMS. You know how to handle emergencies. You should get into safety. And I'm like, what is safety? So he starts telling me, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. sounds like me when I left law enforcement. Do what? <laughs> this is cool. I, I like the sound of it. How do I do it? So <clears throat> he led me down the path, said, okay, so the easiest way Go get your NCCER safety cert. Okay, I'll go do that. He he hooked me up with uh, somebody he knew that, that was running a class. Class was already about halfway through. But the guy let me come in. And every, every day that we had class, I was going in, doing that day's work, plus taking tests for stuff that I studied on my own that they had already covered and trying to build up as quick as possible and get this done and finished along with everybody else. But I started halfway through. Oh, damn. So you had to play catch up. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, got my NCCR certs and I'm like, all right, I'm a safety guy. Let's get a job. (laughs) And, Nobody's hiring for entry techs. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. You see that and, a lot, uh, even today. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I'm 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 interviewing. I'm I'm going to job interview after job interview and not getting even callbacks. I'm like, okay. So then Doug was like, Man, you used to rock climb and do all these extreme things. Why don't you get into rescue? Well, what's that? Well, on industrial sites, things go wrong. They have people that go in and save the That's day. That's it, brother. Okay. You know it. So, so, so I found a uh, third-party company, safety company that was looking for uh, rescue techs. I apply. They send me through school. I get my rescue certs, and the branch for sulfur had no leadership there. I was me and one guy. That that was it. Both of us went through the class together. Now, Mike, when you're talking about the class, just for the people listening, was this for like high angle rescue, confined space rescue, or a combination of everything? Combination. Okay. So it's high angle, confined space, um, all that. So we went through it. Me and this one guy, uh, we get to the the 
local branch and we're like, all right, so who's our manager? Well, he's had a branch on the other side of the state. Okay. So I had no direction telling me what I need to do or anything like that. So I just kind of took it upon myself. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this branch mine. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just a tech. I'm not a lead. I don't know what I'm doing, but you know what? I'm going to do this. So in three months, they had me doing lead work for rescue. Within six months, I was doing, they made me a lead. Within a year, they made me full-time. Two years in, I was managing the rescue division for that branch, and did it for four years total. Now, that, that's an incredible progression. So in that timeline, did you get to actually put your skills to use, or was it just because you guys being available and a good safety program, you were just available? Or did you actually have to go in and do some rescues on some of this? Well, so... Fortunately and unfortunately, I never performed a rescue. Um, I'll say that because you always want to show your 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 you know your abilities. You you want that that moment, right, right? Right. But at the same time, if you have to do that, that means something bad happens. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So you know, I never had to uh, whenever I was on site. Um, actually, a week before, two, no, so sorry, two weeks before I left, it, it was the day I put in my, uh, two weeks notice. That night, my team was on site and there was an explosion and they actually had to, uh, do, uh, two rescues from that. So, my team was able to step up with their training and everything else and actually save two people. So at least I had, you know, I left knowing that I had my guys trained to a level to, to step up and, and take care of it. Hey, that, you know, and, and that's amazing. You know, it's, it's good. You didn't have to rescue cause that gives us some insight, you know, especially the people listening. Um, you know, about safety and safety in Louisiana. And, and for those that don't know, uh, when I received my cost training, that's certified occupational safety specialist, or guys that have the costume training, you know, a lot of this is based off Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana has some impressive uh, history and development of training for the oil and gas and other industries. And, and that that's you know, before we get have to get off mic, because I, I know we've got 10 minutes left on the recording. Um, but I mean, this is critical because with your background and what led you up to this, and I've seen your interaction, uh, Mike Lee and I actually communicate on Facebook through the U.S. Safety Professionals uh, group. And, and Mike, you know, with all the stuff that led up to you know, you doing on the rescue and you leading and, you know, developing, what would you say for what you're doing right now? What was the biggest impact on the job you do now? And, you know, what was the worst impact? What was one, what would be one thing you would suggest no veteran with your background waste their time on 
and what is something you think they should focus on? So don't waste your time trying to be something, right? Um, don't, don't have in your head, I'm going to be that guy, right? So in the military, you have those that are, you know, I'm going to be this hard ass. I'm, I'm going to step up. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be Rambo. Yes, sir. Don't, don't be that, Rambo. Don't that's probably one of the get, best responses, brother. Don't have that type of mindset. So the best thing you can do is knowledge. Knowledge is going to be the best thing. Learn anything and everything you can. So, you know, if you don't know first aid, learn it. Yes, sir. If you don't know stop yes, the lead, learn it. You know, the basics are what's going to help you in any type of emergency. You know, uh, the biggest thing is, is, is learning how to control your emotions I see so, that's an aspect a lot of people don't consider, Mike. That was beautiful. I, yeah, emotions is a huge issue. Well, so in an emergency, all you can do is react, right? You you can train day and night your whole entire life, but whenever it comes down, you're just going to react to it, right? And the biggest thing you do is keep calm, keep cool, and think, right? So the biggest thing I've learned is, in, in being a safety professional now, is step back. Step back from the guys, step back from the work site, and just watch and view. And I'm not just w- looking at my guys. I'm looking all around. I'm looking at other contractors, what's going around. I'm walking around tanks and any place I can't see what's going on over here. I'm I'm standing back and I'm watching because if you can stand back and watch, you can get a bigger picture and see exactly what is going yes, on. Yes, sir. No tunnel vision at all. I agree. I, I, I absolutely agree. If I could hug you right now, Mike, I would even grab your ass right now because one of the, one of the biggest issues I see when I'm working Ooh. with clients and stuff is, you know, they, they focus on a certain area and it's like, but yeah, you, you know, you're forgetting what led up to this, you know, what got to this path. I love, and you guys didn't hear this when we were on the break. I told Mike, I love the way he's communicating. I love the way he's doing this. I think he should, you know, do a podcast because I think he could train, you know, and Mike, please excuse me. I mean, I I don't want to throw this out there and, you know, put any additional burden on you. So I think he could train individuals because like you said, (laughs) you know, he built himself up with selling cars that's communication. That's knowing your product. That's knowing the people you're giving the product to. And with your background, Mike, you know, in safety and building up and rescue and looking at different venues, I, I love your approach to this. Well, if you would, and, and that that's what I, that's what I love about from rescue to safety now is the training aspect. I, I love p- tossing knowledge at people and, and building their their skill sets up. So with rescue, teaching these guys all their different skill sets uh, for you know the ropes and everything else to training first aid because I'm a BLS instructor for America Heart Association. Hey, God bless you. I love that. Um, I'm te- big on uh, rescue. I'm big on you know field training for. I, I'm not BLS. Well, 
and training. I'm not doing training. I I, 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 I do stop the blade. So tourniquet wound packing, all this kind right, of stuff right. uh, for traumatic blades and any other training that I can do. In fact, actually, I just got a uh, Haswhopper 40 trained so I can get that uh, trained. To train I'm going to grab both through, your ass uh, cheeks now. I mean, that <laughs> with me being a Haswhopper uh, instructor, uh, that that's huge. You guys don't understand how many injuries and how many events happen well, because they don't have training like that. Please keep going, Mike. Well, I'm, the, I'm the, tugging on myself now. The, the 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 company I work for we do uh, hydroblasting and uh, industrial vacuum. Okay. So okay. my guys literally are in the shit. Yeah, of, they live in hazardous materials. Of, of yeah, it, it, exactly. So now instead of relying upon either computer based training or some outside trainer that doesn't truly understand the environment that my guys are in, now I can teach them and I can teach them for what they're actually doing. Mike, I want to stop on that for a second. That That's something, and I'm glad you pointed that out. Now, previously in this week, I had a client back out of like OSHA 10, OSHA 30 training, and they went to online portals because they said, well, he can do this during this time. It's not taking him out of class. Have you seen that? And I'm asking you because I, I know for a fact you're a professional safety individual you know we we've interacted not verbally before and i've seen how you carried yourself do you think that with so many companies going into online training that that do you see that as a hindrance to an actual safe environment because the guys are only looking at something and it's not based off their actual work environment or do you see it being helpful uh you know because it's giving them general information and then they need additional training. Do you see that well, as being beneficial or negative? I hate to say it, but I see it as so, negative. So, 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 so the 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 positive side is compliance, yes. right? Yes, sir. And, and that's what most companies care about is compliance. So, ooh, they have it. We're in compliance. OSHA, get the fuck off my back. Yes, but for it truly to build a safe environment for the guys. So, like I said earlier, you know, when we uh, started our original conversation, I spent all day at safety council, right? I didn't pay attention to a damn thing on that computer because I've taken it five times already. <laughs> and I just, I, I let the videos play. I kept hitting the button until the test Thank came up. Thank you for up. your honesty. Clicked, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I appreciate no, that. And I, I click my answers. I pass. I'm done. Thank you. I'm out of here. Right. And that that's I'm not the only one. That, that's everybody. No, you're absolutely right. Everybody. That, uh, let's not lie for them. Fuck them. So 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 we're we're they're not going to retain information. They're nothing. And there's no interaction. They cannot ask questions. I hate computer based training. I want to be able to be in front of my guys. I want to cuss. I want to tell them how it truly is and be like, listen. If you do this in this environment, you're going to fucking die. Don't do this. Absolutely. This is the reason why we wear respirators. This is the reason why we get fit tested. Pay attention. Don't do something stupid. So while we're doing this type of training and interacting with them, I can inflect my voice. I can hammer it into them. I can speak their language and say. And that's no, what's most beneficial. Yes, that truly this, is. That. 
Exactly. Get rid of all the bullshit that doesn't matter and tell them exactly what they need to know, how to be safe, and be done with it and still keep that compliance. But make it where it's personal to them. And I've built up a trust with these guys. So if I'm telling it to them versus a computer, hopefully they'll listen to me more. You know, and, and I agree with that. And it's funny because with you as, you know, having an IT background, uh, one of the other interviews that you'll hear, uh, the guy walked off the interview because he, he was into IT security. He wasn't doing the stuff that Mike Lee was, you know, looking into uh, going into. But he was he was wanting to push IT because job security. You know, and Mike and I have to look at, you know, what we're actually dealing with with livelihoods and and companies and, and protected people out in the field. So, Mike, I, I love that insight. I love the background. You know, I we have five minutes left for those who are listening. And, and I, Mike, I'm telling you now, I'm going to have you back on another podcast because I think the Any message time, that you have is amazing. Um, and, and for those who don't know, again, this is about, you know, veterans in the industry, in the military, and first response. And like Mike was saying, you can't learn from just video based. The audibles that he's going to give you, the information he's going to give you, you're not going to find anywhere else. Mike, you need to get off your fucking ass. You need to put, and, and no disrespect, um, you've got you've got to do some training, brother. I've got to have you back on, and you just got to rip me a new one because the, the message you have is good. So I want to give you the last five minutes because this is about you. If you could inspire or if you could give direction, you know, to get to the level that you're at where you're a very passionate advocate in your profession, you know, you're a veteran that got injured and you had to find your own way. What would you tell people that like you and I, we both got injured in the military. What would you tell people to do right now? If they got injured today, what should they do or what should they look at? Because you didn't have an idea and you are a success. You, you came out of the dark. So it's yours, brother. Go ahead. So the biggest thing is look forward, never look back. The past is the past. You can never change the past, right? The, the, the future is your destination. Always keep moving forward, right? So the infantry, always move forward, always. You never look back. You never retreat. So no matter how bad the shit gets, you always keep moving forward. Embrace that sucker. Right? Oh, yeah. That's been a while since I've heard that. Keep going, brother. Embrace that suck. Keep going forward. Find out whatever passion you have. Even if it's just a little glimpse of a, of a passion, right? Just a little something to give you hope and that you enjoy. Follow that. Let that be your light and keep going forward and build off of it. So, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. 20 years ago, I would never have thought I'd be right here. Hell, I figured I would have been dead. So, you know, but each little step I took led me to where I'm at now. Just build off of whatever gives you hope. Mike, that was, that was good. I mean, I've lived it myself. Not, 
not in the great way that you did. I mean, I had some setbacks, but I love that positive, you know, because I, I and you guys will hear it on some of the other interviews. It, there was a lot of negativity. They'd say, you know, fuck this, do, do your own way, which is good. But, you know, the idea with the two vets is we want to build each other up. And Mike, I, I'm dead serious, brother. When you hear the other shows, no disrespect to them. You guys have to get what you get out of those shows. But the positive manner in which Mike said, hey, you know, I got injured. I moved forward. I got, I did this in the IT. I did this in the car sales. You know, there was nothing belittling about any job. And that, and we run into that. People say, I'm not going to take that because I've got this degree. I've got this cert. But when you got to provide for yourself, your family, you know, you you have to take care of yourself first, Mike. And I love that about you. Holy shit. Seriously. I mean, if you've got to start doing if, your own if you gotta, show, well, excuse me. Shoot. If, 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 if if you gotta get a job at McDonald's, so be it. Get that it's job not long at term. Yeah, it's what you make. Build, yeah, build build yourself up from whatever you have to. Right. So no matter how bad that job is, it's a job. You're making money. Move forward. I got to where I'm at in safety off of fifteen hundred dollars I spent getting my NCCR. Right. Yeah. Fifteen hundred dollars. A thousand five hundred dollars. And now I'm making more than enough money to provide for my family. And it, it's amazing. And I wasn't in a place where I could take $1,500. That was a bet. I, I, I rolled the dice. I said, okay, we're, we're going to save yeah. up. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it is a pure investment and it paid off. Now, did I have to work my ass off and take you know, a job in, in rescue instead of that, that golden safety job. Yeah. Oh, and your security, you know that was hard too. I mean, that, I, that, no yeah. lie, low pay. And, but I, I love that rescue job. I learned so much more about safety from rescue than I ever did from any school class or anything else. So you need to start an only fans page. I'll follow you. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I, I would do that. I'd be like, Ooh, Mike's showing some chest and, uh, He's showing a figure eight on the rope and descending and everything. I I would I would man touch to that, Mike. It has oh, been yeah. a blessing, truly a blessing. And and guys, I, all the vets that we've talked to, you know, it it's always good to hear from them. Um, you know, I I have not had an interview yet where I'm like, holy shit, that impacted me because I you know of linear thinking or or of linear backgrounds. Mike, you have been, I, I think when, and this is for all vets, we all, we're all going to affect different people to hear us and hear our show in different ways. But Mike, I think you're going to see some, some heavy responses to your show. Are you going to be able to handle that? Oh yeah. Tell your wife, because yeah. I, I don't want to get mad. I don't want her coming at me because truckers are sending you titty shots, you know, <laughs> while they're in the pilot parking station down in Louisiana. But, uh, you know, for everybody listening, for Mike Lee, this, this this has been great. You know, we appreciate the support and the and everything that goes into it. Mike, I love you, brother. The the amazing background, uh, and all of us have amazing backgrounds. We truly do. But the amazing way in which you maintain positivity that you showed that during the downside, you know, with drinking and recovery and 
finding yourself and finding your way back, you know, we all lose sight of that. And Mike Lee, I, I swear to God, we're having you back on the two vets show. Um, hell, you may have to interview somebody and say, Hey, son of a bitch. What, hey. what were you thinking? You dumbass?" <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Alan Wilford and Mike Lee. Thank you for listening. Um, I wish it could be longer. Oh my God. But there's, there's certain restrictions with the podcast, but we will be having Mike Lee back. Mike, anything you'd like to say before heading out? Like, you know, are you a true coon ass or what is even a coon ass? Where does that even come from? Uh, It's, it's a Cajun redneck, basically. Is that a disrespectful term though? Cause I don't want to be calling you that. And you slap the shit out of me. So, so. Most uh most coonasses, true coonasses, will say they're coonasses. Okay. Well, <laughs> to all of our listeners, to all of our supporters, sponsors, and everybody else, this is Alan Wolford, Mike Lee from Sulphur, Louisiana. Mike, this has been the most amazing recording. I think iTunes is going to shit themselves when this hits them. And, and for those listening on Spotify, awesome. if you have a suggestion, a remark, or something you'd like to say back to Mike, uh, please go to, you know, Mind in Constant Motion, click on the two vets, click on Mike Lee uh, once his podcast is loaded, and your messages, comments, love will go straight to him. If you're a dickwad, we're going to come and find you. We will fucking find <laughs> you. Share the love. Plan, prepare, communicate, engage. This is Alan Wolford and Mike Lee. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Two Vets and a Cup podcast. We're going to do an about face and march our asses out of here. But we appreciate you listening to the show. Did you like it? If so, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit up mindinconstantmotion.com and click on the Two Vets and a Cup link. At ease. And we'll see you next time.